0: Our scripture reading today is from Ecclesiastes one, two and twelve, eight through fourteen. Um, let us stand for the reading of God's word. This is how Ecclesiastes begins in one, two. "Meaningless, meaningless," says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. This is how Ecclesiastes concludes in 12 eight. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. This is the P.S. that Solomon adds at the end of Ecclesiastes in 12:9 through 14. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The sayings of those who are wise move people to take action. Their collected sayings are like nails pounded in firm and deep. Be warned, my child, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is what it means to be fully human. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Anna and Robin. Uh, No one would ever guess that you're mother and daughter, right? (laughs) Nobody would ever guess that. Well, I, I knew that this week would be a vacation Bible school week, the same week we're concluding Ecclesiastes, one of the most serious books in the Bible, but it really kind of fits together. I, I kept thinking about the first place I ever went to vacation Bible school. It was in a little town where I grew up my first 12 years, Beckley, West Virginia. Uh, up on the hill was Maxwell Hill. And in fact, a few years ago, uh, my dad and I went back to visit. I hadn't been there for over 50 years and it didn't seem like it had changed all that much. We went and visited the elementary school that I went to my first six years. I have a picture of it here. I took a shot of it. It Looked pretty much like the school I went to. We walked around uh, the wooded area in, in Maxwell Hill where we had beagles. So I would go with my beagles running around after rabbits and things and it looked pretty much the same. I'm sure the trees were bigger. My, my dad commented on how little it seemed to have changed over all these many years. The school looked the same, the woods looked the same, and yet there was something so different. And, and I came to realize that the difference really was much more what had happened to me. I, I mean, that I was the one who had changed. Do you know what I mean? I mean, when I was there as a, as a little boy, I had the dreams and hopes that a, that a little boy has, I mean, maybe to be a great baseball player. Or, or a singer or somehow to impress all the people in Beckley West West Virginia but after i had left that place i mean i've lived in so many places right downtown area of chicago of course the cool area of southern california i've lived here very different from west virginia uh lived germany and in england i went way way too long to school and experienced so many things so that when i went back to that area uh, even though it in some ways looked the same it, was, it felt so different. It, it really didn't feel like home anymore. It seemed uh, smaller <laughs> than what I remembered being, but, but mostly my world become so much bigger. I mean, my whole world back then was just Beckley, West Virginia. <laughs> and now I'd come to see that God's world is much, much more uh, than, than just that. Have you ever experienced anything like that? returning to a place but when you go back it, it looks a little bit the same but it feels so different if you can grasp that then you're going to understand one of the most profound things in the entire bible especially the book of ecclesiastes as we end it today I don't know if you notice as Robin and Anna read I tried to make it so clear to you it starts and it ends in exactly the same way so where you enter in in chapter 1 verse 2 this is what we read meaningless meaningless says the teacher everything and then under the sun is meaningless and when you come to the end of the formal part of the book chapter 12 verse 8 it says the very same thing meaningless with a word that, he, that means like it's like a vapor It's their look seems to be real the moment you try to grab that thing it has gone meaningless everything under the sun is meaningless so it begins and ends in the same way um, you know Solomon who wrote it I think he wrote it was a Jewish man and he's doing what the rabbis do so often. He begins and he ends in the very same way. It's called an inclusio. And so when you see that, you know what it's about. And Solomon's goal is to try to, to, to shout out to anybody who will read Ecclesiastes that in this imperfect world, where, where there is so much darkness and still so much sin, That everything that you might put at the center of your life, everything you might live for apart from God is going to prove to be like a vapor. It's just going to pass away. So when when he starts with, with saying everything is meaningless and ends that way, it's not to say that he's just repeating himself. Now, Much like me going back to my home in West Virginia, when we come back to this thing in chapter 12, verse 8... And, and, and you've actually been with us for all the three months of us going through it, what should have happened is, after reading through the rest of Ecclesiastes, you and I should have changed. I mean, we hear the same message, but now that when we hear it, we should, you should understand a whole lot more about it when you read it at the very end. Because you've begun to see that everything this world promises to give you life through. If you can just have this, see the advertisement on television, if you can just buy that, if you can just experience this and finish that, then you'll find life and then you buy it or experience it. And it doesn't give you everything it promises. Solomon takes it all up in the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't know if you remember the, the, the messages Pastor Jeff and I have done. Just for a few of them, I jotted them down. He said, try education and learning we might want to do that here in a place with so many schools try education and learning you'll think you have grown but you soon will find that that's empty on its own or live life for pleasure Uh, wine, women and song but the short thrill of pleasure won't satisfy long or build houses buy lands and pretend they will last But the status they bring you will soon be in the past, or especially since last Friday. Expand your career, make money in stashes, but what good is it all when the stock market crashes? See, I I added that after Friday dropping 600 plus points. So, So, you know, you read through Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes, And you'll see he addresses everything under the sun that still today, hundreds of years later, people say, do this, have this, experience that. The world promises so much, and then you experience it, you do it, you have it, and it doesn't seem to last. What he is declaring is that everything, and his word is under the sun. Everything in this material world, if there is no God, if you place that at the center of your life, you will find out at the end of the day that it's like a vapor, You thought that's where you would find your real life. But eventually death will take it all away anyway. There's got to be more to live for. You've got to hear me here. I've said this often. He is not saying that you and I don't find uh, joy in things in this world. Because the things in this world, God, our Father, created them and and used in the right way, they do bring you joy. But I'm just telling you this. None of the things in this world under the sun were ever meant to be at the center of your being. You you and I are human. We're made in the image of God. God has set, Ecclesiastes 3.11, eternity in our human hearts. And if we try to fill that place that was meant for someone eternal with anything that's temporary, it will be like a bubble. It'll be like a vapor. It will simply vanish away. So Solomon begins by saying, meaningless, meaningless, everything that you try to live for under the sun is meaningless, and he ends by saying that, but by the time you read it at the end, you should know that this is really true, you should know it's really true. So uh, the book itself, you've noticed, as Robin and Anna read for us, it ends in chapter 12, verse 8, the the proper part of the book, but then there's a P.S., he wants us to know that meaninglessness is not God's last word, and it shouldn't be the last word of a sermon either. The way I read it is this. You almost have to uh, envision in chapter 12, between verse 8 and 9, a poignant pause. Everything is meaningless. And you say, oh, man, what, what are we going to live for then? And then Solomon, and I think it was Solomon, steps in. He's writing it at the end of his life. And essentially, if I can put it in first person, he said you need to remember that the one who wrote this I I was a person gifted by God with wisdom remember that was a gift that God had given to him he was able to see where decisions might actually lead he said so I at the end of my life have have written this book you you can see in verses 9 and 10 with great care I've weighed every word that I've written I know some of them have been hard I've studied I've arranged my teaching in as orderly a way I've written as truly as I possibly can why have I written it this way and he says in verse 11, I, the book of Ecclesiastes is supposed to be a goad. In other words, we have such a, a temptation to try to think that we're going to find our lives in temporary things. And, and, and so it's hard for us even to listen. He says, I've written this as a goad to try to provoke you to realize that there's nothing in this world by itself that can fulfill what you are really longing for. As I read... Um, Solomon, I feel like, and parents, some of you might be able to understand this. Sometimes when you see your kids sort of walking in the wrong direction, you want to say, there's got to be more to live for than what you're living for, right? And, and it just seems like your kids aren't listening to you. Has that happened in any of your homes or just in, just in mine? And so you, you, I go to come back. I care about you. I've got something important to say. I've written this in that way. I wrote, wrote such hard words to you so that you'd listen. He's like a loving pastor. Not, noticing people who come to church and then go out living the same way as when you came in. <laughs> Saying, listen, listen carefully. There's more to live for than this world ever promises to you. He wants us to grab hold of the facts that meaninglessness is not what God has created you to experience. He loves you. He's made you in His image. He wants you to know that there is more to existence in our universe than just material things. He wants us to know that God is. That God is to be known. And that you and I have been made to live life with God. That the God who made you didn't create you to have a meaningless existence, but the way to find meaning in your life is not the way the world usually tells us to find it. in something under the sun. And so he drives it home in verse 13. It's one of the most profound verses in the entire Bible. It's put in language that's almost foreign to us in 21st century Southern California. But to me it has become one of the most life-directing verses in my entire life. When I feel like I need to please this person or please that person, and how can I ever do this and feel ripped apart, I look at this again, and this is what God says. Where do you find life? This is what it's all about, He says. Fear God, keep His commandments. This is what it means to be fully human. Fear God, keep His commands. This is what it means for you to live a fully human life. Fear God. Now, we don't like, here in Southern California, to think about fear as ever being a good thing, right? I mean, we all know how destructive fear can be. We try to make sure people get over their fears so that they can live life. And here in Southern California, I think we have a particular understanding of it because we live in sort of the entertainment capital of the world. And we know that anybody who's in that industry, you, you're hoping that, that the audience will like what you do. And so you always fear that, that maybe they won't. Whether, whether you're an actor, whether you're a musician, or whether you're a chef, you're always afraid that, that somebody's not going to like what you do. You're really afraid of that feared critic who writes with the LA Times or even the Pasadena Stars News and that somehow will ruin your self-esteem by saying that your performance wasn't good and maybe you ruined your career and so you, we think fear is awful. I've got to get over that. It can never possibly be good. Do you know what I'm saying here? I think I need an illustration, don't you? All right. There was a movie made by Pixar back in 2007. I really love it. It's one of my favorite ones that they've made. The main character was Remy in Paris who loved food and wanted to be a chef. But Remy only had one problem. Remy was a rat. And for some reason, most people don't like to have rats associated with their food, right? But, but you know the story if, you, if you've ever seen it. Remy was able to form an alliance with a garbage boy named Linguini. What a great name! <laughs> what a great name. Lived underneath his hat. And they became the, the heads of this hot new restaurant in, in Paris until one day, the feared food critic, Anton Ego, and what an ego he had, came in. And you could just tell the fear of Antonigo could destroy them and destroy their restaurant. Well, I'll just show it to you. You've got to see the clip. I'll show it to you. Then I'll come back and try to see what this has to do with Ecclesiastes. You are Monsieur Linguine. Oh, hello. Pardon me for interrupting your premature celebration, but I thought it only fair to give you a sporting chance as you are new to this game. A uh, game? Yes, and you've been playing without an opponent, which is, as you may have guessed, against the rules. You're Anton Ego. <laughs> You're slow for someone in the fast lane. And you're thin for someone who likes food. I don't like food. I love it. If I don't love it, I don't swallow. I will return tomorrow night with high expectations. Pray you don't disappoint me. You'd almost see all of you who are preparing lunch today becoming afraid just just watching that the point of this is when there is someone that you fear it shapes the way that you live you want to please that one that you fear uh, fear directs our lives so often and so it often seems to be a debilitating thing, especially if you just want to please everybody. If you're afraid of each one's response, you can feel you can be ripped this way and that, ripped apart from the inside out, right? And then the Bible steps into our lives and says the key to really living, having a meaningful life, is that there's only one person to fear, and that is God Himself. The, the reason why this is different, the reason why this fear is different, is that when you come and turn your eyes toward God and say, I fear you alone. I want to please you more than anything else. You turn your face toward Him and what you see is that God is not Anton Ego. God loves you with an everlasting love. The one that you see that you're called upon to fear and to have direct your life is the one who loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son who loves you so much that He was willing to die in your place for your sin and through faith in Him offer you forgiveness to, to rescue you. You look into the face who loves you more than your parents can love you or that you could love your parents. Love you more than you could ever love yourself and know that if you fear Him and live to please Him, He also loves the world that He made and it will be better for the rest of the world. He loves all people. And if you live in a way that pleases Him, it will be better for people, and He loves you. If you live His way, it will not ruin your life. It will will give you life. I I don't even know if I can tell you how important this has been for me in my life, but I'll just tell you this. All of those times when you think, well, people aren't really happy with what you're doing, Pastor, to come back and think that there's only one person I really have to Please. I begin to see the wisdom of this. The place to find meaning in our lives begins with fearing God. It's at the heart of the book of the Psalms, of Proverbs, and here of Ecclesiastes. How do you find meaning to your life? Fear God. Number two, that leads to you keeping His commands. Now... If we in Southern California don't like to think about fear as being something that might be good, if it's the right person, the fear of God casts out other fears, then how much do you think people in Southern California like to follow somebody else's commands? (laughs) We don't like to be commanded, right? And you know as well as I do, it's not just us here. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, they just had one moral command, but they didn't want to be commanded by anybody. They wanted to be like God, so they disobeyed his command. And you see, in disobeying God's command, it ruined their own lives. They no longer, it was meaningless then. It ruined the world, it ruined yours, my life as well. And God is saying this, if you're going to find meaning again, you've got to bring God back into the center of your life having the only thing that you fear is displeasing God and that really practically speaking means that we keep opening up this book and saying Lord how would you have me to live? And if we see something there that goes counter to everything that our temptations are drawing us toward coming back again and saying Lord I know that the place I really am going to find life is if I obey you. Uh, Jesus would say it in John chapter 14 just before dying for us He says if you love me You will keep my commands. And and the reason was already said in John chapter 10. uh, Because he said, everything else under the sun. He didn't use that phrase, but he was really saying the same thing. Everything under the sun is, is going to promise you so much. Do this, experience that, and you'll find life. But it will kill, steal, or destroy you if you put it at the center of your being. But I have come so that you may have life life to the full life that is meaningful not meaning less you believe Jesus when he says that yes. i tell you it's countercultural because here in our culture we keep saying do something for yourself if you feel tugged in this way you do it give in to that that's your identity that's who you are and god says no 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 i'm the one who's made you and i've made you to know me i've made you to walk with me and when we walk with him and keep his commands he does not ruin our lives. We find life. Fear God, keep His commandments, and then three. That's what it means to be fully human. Do, do you have a Bible in front of you or your phone? Most of the versions that we have don't translate it the way I have translated it. They almost all say something like this: "Fear God, keep His commandments." Um, that's the whole duty of mankind, or something like that, right? But but that word "duty" was not in Solomon's language. It says the whole of being human, call uh, adam, the whole of being human, is living with God. It's what Solomon has been saying from the beginning. At the heart of our existence is putting God in His rightful place. It's the first commandment. God first. Then other things can be enjoyed as gifts from Him instead of having, be, having to be the source of our lives. it's just like when when people in Genesis 3 disobeyed God and left Him out, life became meaningless. What He's calling you to do and me to do is a recommitment of your whole being to Him. To say, Lord, I've come to church today. I've heard these kids talk about obeying You and following You. All these songs have been about that. And yet I have areas of my thoughts, my words, my life that I know are not consistent with what You would have me to do. Lord, here's my life will you forgive where I've been and he says yes the blood of Christ is sufficient he will start all over with you again today here's my life I recommit all that I am to you that is the message of the book of Ecclesiastes that if you will know what it means to be human it is to bring the God in whose image you are made back into the center of your life putting nothing in before him fearing Him so that you have to fear nothing else, obeying His commands rather than the ways of the world or your own human flesh, and then finding out that God says, when you walk with me, life is not meaningless. My last word is, it is meaningful. That's the message of Ecclesiastes. So I'm going to end with this. It used to be that people taught that the sun revolved around the earth. We now know that that was wrong. You know that, don't you? (laughs) Caltech people, help me out with this one. I I need a witness. I need a witness. We know that the earth revolves around the sun. I mean, over here at JPL NASA, they know that if they're going to do anything effectively, they need to make their decisions based upon what is real and what is is true. You can't just say, well, I, I choose to think that the, that, the, uh, that the sun revolves around the world, so that, that's the way I'm going to choose to do it, so that's the way I'm going to live. Well, today, in our, in our way of trying to live every day of our lives, our whole society tells us that the world revolves around us. Put, put, my, put yourself at the middle of this world... Can you imagine a church where every one of us just thinks we're the center of everything? Well, that's the way the world is telling us to live. Everything's subjective. Everything revolves around me. To live that way, as if the world revolves around me, first of all, is absurd. But secondly, it is the heart of what it means to live a meaningless life. I'm just going to tell you today. It is not true that everything revolves around you. Do you believe it? It is not true as the world is saying that the world revolves around you. There is a God. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He made you. He loves you. God does not revolve around you. You and I to find meaning in our lives must have our lives revolve around Him. It's got to be the center of everything. I'm just telling you when you fear God and keep His commands, the last word is that life can be meaningful. 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 Everything becomes meaningful. When the God who is over the sun is at the center of your life. Uh, Pastor Jeff was here all week with, the, um, with all of the workers and all of our students and kids who were here. And, and you see the, the consistency of this message with what we did. Jeff, will you take a few moments and help us to see how to
1: apply this to our lives? God bless you, brother. Uh, earlier this year, um, the best moment happened for us. When I was at work one day and got a message from Jenny to call when I got a, a break, and she wanted to tell me that that particular morning, our oldest son walked into the kitchen and said to her, um, Mommy, I think I'm ready to follow Jesus. And I, I just remember just being overwhelmed with joy. I texted Greg, and I think I said, Salvation has come to the Mattisich house today. And... Um, and we celebrate that moment. And I, I will remember where I am, and I'll remember the conversation I had with Henry that night. But that night, I'll also remember a very important conversation that began for Jenny and I. And that conversation was something like this. It's as wonderful as this is, and it is, it's life-changing. We need to continue to pray and to raise our kids so that he makes that choice over and over and over and over again. Because at seven years old, what life looks like, and what we've taught this week, the darkness and the temptations of life look one way, and when he will be 11 years old, it will look different, and when he's 14, it will look different, and when he's 30, it will look different. And following Jesus is not something that we just make a one-time choice for. We make choices all the time. I think that's why the book of Ecclesiastes has resonated with us as a community over the last three months, Because in different seasons of our lives, Ecclesiastes calls out these other things that tempt us, these other ways of living that seem to promise fulfillment, be it stuff, be it homes, be it money, be it pleasure. And we know the truth of Ecclesiastes, that the things that promise satisfaction, if they're outside of God, they end up being empty. And so for the last three months and the last week here at Vacation Bible School, we've talked about what it means to live a meaningful life. And the kids were yelling all week long, follow him, follow Jesus. And this morning, we have an opportunity with our lives to declare that we are following him, that we are the kind of people who in this moment, in this season, on this particular day, That we want our lives to fear God, to keep his commands, and to be fully human, to live the way we were created to live. In the book of Luke, Jesus is with his disciples and he says to them, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Following God is a daily choice. It's a daily opportunity. Say, today... I am not the center of my life. Today, God is the center of my life. What we're going to do this morning is the band comes forward, we're going to close with one last song, and I'm going to ask you to do this. As, a, as, a, as, a, as an act of marking today, of marking not just the end of a sermon series, but marking the journey that we have been on as a church, if your prayer today is a day of recommitment, no matter who you are, to say, today, I want to, I want to make my life about God. I want God to be in the center of my life. I want to fear Him. I want to keep His commands. I want to be fully human the way that He created me to be. This is one of those moments for all of us in the church to say, today, I'm committing my life to God. Remembering that following Jesus is not a one-time commitment. It's a daily taking up. And if that is your prayer for yourself... If that is true in your heart, for your family, during this song, I will ask you at some point just to stand to your feet, declaring that that's your commitment, that your life is about God. And at the end of the song, we'll close our service. And so if that's true for you today, during this song, please stand, declaring to God that today is a day where you are committing all of who you are to Him, to make your life about Him and to put Him in the center of your life.